here at Grace Life would love to help you discover Jesus' unconditional love and grace for you. We pray that this message will be a blessing to you and further establish you in the truth of God's Word. suddenly became a good God under the new covenant. He's always been a good God. God never, God, God, the only thing that has changed, God has not changed. God has only come to change our minds about how we see Him and how we perceive Him. That's the thing that has changed. And so with the utmost importance, you know, I just, I just felt in my heart to share this. And so um, I'm excited to, to continue to, to just bless you guys this morning. Peter asked me to, to minister on something specifically to speak, speaking about this morning. Speaking about the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, how it impacts and how it transforms our lives. Amen. And so I want to dig into it immediately. Now I'm not going to assume that everybody has heard the gospel and understood what it means and we say that we are no longer under law and we have the grace now. I'm not going to assume all of these things. And so I want to briefly just, just mention this morning that we understand that I'm 100%, at least 99% of the people understand us these terms. And we are no longer under law. John 1 verse 17 says, For the law is given to Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Grace and truth came. Grace, I always say, and I, and I, I know you guys understand this, grace is not some topic in your Bible curriculum. Grace is not a message. When people say the message of grace, no, it's not a message of grace. It is the gospel. I said one time, I said it was a, a big a dean of, of a Bible school, and, and you know what, often when we sit there, my wife kicked me under the table just to say, you're not going to say anything. Because he was so scared what was going to come out of my mouth. Because I preached a lesson, I preached on the forgiveness of the sins on, at this conference. And as I preached on the forgiveness of the sin, of sin all the pastors sit, sat, sat together at a table afterwards. And the one pastor says, he says to me, he looks over to me and he says, um, I think I'm going to have to change my sermon for tomorrow night. <laughs> and I just looked at him. And I, I, I was happy because I, 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 that was my end. I wanted to say to him tonight. Amen. And the one said, the dean of the student of self, this Bible school, big Bible school, he says, no, 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 no. You know, God has given him the revelation of God's grace. Um, he has given maybe you, you very much on honor. That's the call and the message that you need to give. And this is your, and this, and this, and this. We're not like, there's certain things and certain things that we get to minister about, and it's all we have to us, and this is what you are. I said, no, 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 no. Oh, my wife kicks me. She says, well, she knows what comes next. I said, I said, no, 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 sir. Can I just say this? Listen, grace is not a cherry on the cake. Amen. Grace is the entire cake. You can't be saying, you know what? And, and my wife said, no. And I began to minister and reveal that how the gospel of God's grace is the very gospel. I, I call it the gospel. 
Amen. Because in this gospel, a righteousness is revealed. In this gospel, we understand that we are one with God. In this gospel, we understand that we are now seated with Christ in heavenly places. And in this gospel, we understand that we are born from above. Amen. And so it is pivotal that we, we change our language sometimes. The message of grace. And oh, you are grace preachers. No, we preach the gospel. It's not like it's something different to it. This is the gospel. This was the original gospel that the Bible explains. The book of Galatians 1. He says the original this was a, as we it sometimes seems as if we have suddenly started preaching something new. Yeah. It's not something new, it's something that has always been preached. The Apostle Paul preached it right through the New Testament. If we truly look at the gospel, we find this is the original message. Mm. Somehow the gospel was perverted. Amen. And many of us, God is bringing us again into life to kind of bring people again and say, listen, let's come back to the original message, which was the very grace of God. And so I'm going to again to say that the law was given, but grace and truth came. Grace and truth is the person of Jesus about revealing Jesus Christ. And not only revealing Him, but who we are in Him. What is the things that He did for us? What is the benefits that we walk in today because of what He did? Amen. Many people see Jesus died, oh, Jesus died, and, and that is that. You know, it's, it's, it's not even the understanding of what does it mean for me? What, 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 what was before the cross and what is now after the cross? We don't understand these things. We just think it is a, a, a new old covenant, new covenant, white page in between, and it's just the same thing. We preach the word of God because the word of God is the word of God. It's not the truth. Heaven and all the sins, guess what? We study to show yourself approved, a workman rightly dividing the word of truth. Rightly dividing the word of truth. Why should the word be divided if everything that was written in there is written just for us? Amen. Or let me say this to us. Everything is written for us. It's for our benefit. We can live, but not everything is written to us. And so we have to study the soul of self approved to rightly divide in the word of God what belongs to the old and what belongs to the new. What is for us today and what is not for us. Yeah, and the truth of the gospel there is only one message. Mm. Jesus revealed to the, to the, the disciples when he walked on the road of Emmaus, he revealed to them what is the message. The Bible says that he took the, the old covenant, he took the Torah, and he said it is, and he showed them things concerning himself. Yeah. Or don't you preach under the old, the old Testament? Yes, I preach. I preach lovely under the, from the Old Testament, but I understand it's not about showing your rules and regulations, what you need to do and not do need to do. And it's about finding Jesus in the scriptures, revealing him and saying that this book is not a book of anything, but it's a book filled with Jesus of who he is and who we are in him. Amen. Everything do you not know that these scriptures, he says to the Pharisees, this scripture speaks about me. You're, you're looking at it for eternal life, but guess what? It is found in me. And so I, wanna, I want you to understand that the gospel this morning is the gospel of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah. Amen. Uh, the Apostle Paul commands him in Acts 20 verses 32. So finally, I command you. He says, he's about to leave. He says, to the word of his grace, yeah. which is able to build him. Yeah. You want to be bolder? You want, to, you want to walk in greater authority, greater dominion, understanding is found in the word of God's grace. Because the word of God's grace is all to do with what has already been given unto you. Not about what we say. You see, this is what Christian, the Christian life has been over the years. They, they, make, they make our end, or, or let me say, they make what should be our beginning, they make it our destination. Sure. Running a race and we're gonna, you know, you see the, the finish line and we, you need to get something. Always chase it to become, to get, to get better, to 
I love this. So I was, I was thinking about beautiful exchange. So I thought, beautiful exchange be a place where you can just to be who you are. Just yeah. be. Just be. It's not become holy as I am holy. Be holy. You are holy, so be who you are. The Christian hope is not about becoming. And so my purpose this morning I want to reveal certain things to you. Ephesians 1 begins to explain. And I'm sure many of these things, you know, have been shared over the years. But I want to bless you. Again, to reveal to you that it's never ever about becoming. It's always about being where you really are. Ephesians 1 verses, verses 1. Read as follow. It says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints which are in Ephesus, and to the faithful in Christ, grace be to you, and peace from, from God our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spirits of blessing in heavenly places in Christ, according to He hath chosen us in Him the found, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy, that we would outblame uh, before him in love, having predestinated us into the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise, listen, listen, verse 7 says, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness. Look, one of the things that we begin to see about this chapter is the fact that how this chapter is written. This chapter is not written in a way that it says, thanks be to God, who will bless us, and will accept us. That will declare us holy. That will do all of these things. He says, who has? Amen. This entire chapter is written in past tense. Mm. It's not a thing that needs to still occur. It is something that has occurred already. And so therefore we find in verse 16, from verse 16, verse 17, he says, that, that, uh, I cease not to give thanks to making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, that your eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of His calling and what is the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the sense, and what is the exceeding greatness of His power to us who believe according to the working of His mighty power. Listen, he's praying and he said, you've received all things. Yeah. But now he says, I pray, guess what? That you might receive the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of That the eyes of your understanding might be light. And now what he's saying, I pray that your eyes will open up to what you already have. That you might see, that you might receive a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. What have you received in Him? Guess what? The truth of the gospel is that we have received all things that pertains to life and to godliness. We have received all things in Christ. The thing now that the Apostle Paul prays, he prays that, guess what? That the eyes might be opened, that I might begin to comprehend, that I might begin to com completely understand what you have already received in me. Oh, I pray that they might receive a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. What have they received in him? It is all of the above that is men 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 mentioned in Ephesians 1. You are blessed. Amen. You are forgiven. You are holy. You are loved. You are accepted. All of these things is your reality. He says, I pray that the eyes will open, that they might see what they have already received in Christ Jesus. And so going into transforming, I don't, we are, Peter, Peter is speaking about it. This is the thing that has happened to us. We have been, we are born from above, we have received all things, but our entire life, it is about getting this mind to line up and to accept Amen. and to greater to believe what we already have. Yeah. And so therefore the word of God, we get believers nowadays, 
I spoke to one pastor a time back and he says to me, you know what pastor, uh, I don't read the Bible anymore. I said, wow, wonderful. I just, I just listened to him. And he's a great preacher. These, some of these great preachers are very funny guys. <laughs> but listen to this. I, I spoke to him. And I said to him, listen, so how do you mean? He says, no, you know, I've read the Bible uh, over the years. And sometimes, you know, when I sour, and the Holy Spirit just speaks to me again, of course, I've got through to them. But it does not mean that we do not continue to live in the Word. Yeah. It does not mean that we not continue to receive the Word. It does not mean, you know what, we don't have to come to church. Because there's another bunch out there that believes that a local church is no more relevant anymore. Yeah. Listen, this place is pivotal to your spiritual well-being. You know, this is, this is pivotal for your spiritual growth because it's about receiving the word. What is the word? The word now begins to awaken us greater, begins to make us understand greater of what we already have. This is why we sit in the word. Beloved, I pray that you might prosper in all things, even as thy soul prospers. It's about the word now transforming the realm of the soul, bringing our thinking, bringing our emotionally, bringing us into life what is the reality in the realm of the spirit. And so we can't say, oh, you know what, I don't go to church anymore, I don't read my Bible anymore. And then we see some of them, they stand in, or some of them find them in a very compromised space. Because it's about, you know what, I don't need to go to church. There's life groups, there's stuff going, nah, I'm not going to be there. I'm just going to come to church every week and it's okay, God still loves me. No, but your growth, your growth is determined if, you, if, you, if you're going to attend church. Your growth is determined if you're going to be part of a life group. You listen, commitment is not, it's not something we spoke about in the week by Simon Pastor. It's not a thing of, oh, it's a legalistic thing. Listen, if you don't get to sit and receive the gospel and be in church and listen, then you how do we expect to grow? Yeah. And so it is pivotal for us to understand this. Romans 12, verses 1, Peter started off with this, and I want to show you some awesome truths in this verse. Are you still blessed? Yeah. Sorry, I know Peter speaks very soft and Saint also speaks soft and everybody. But um, I'm so, I get excited then. You know, I'm not scolding at you. Don't, 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 don't. This pastor, like he used to say, as a vermanungsdienst for more. <laughs> so somebody came to my, my church that I attended many, many years ago, and my pastor, Bizarre, used to be very, I mean, yeah. It's bad, I don't have a revelation of God's grace, so it was just boom, boom that morning. And I can remember this girl said to me, the believing church was invited up. She looks to me, she says, Oh, I've seen your pastor, the pastor had for a morning's day, she said, Near I spent morning's day, I pray about it so. Yeah, but let, let me say this. Let, let's dig into Romans 12, verses 1. I want to show you something this morning. This just blew my mind many, many years ago when I saw this. And I believe it will bless you as well this morning. Amen. Romans 12, verses 1. Peter also started with this verse. And we will go to verse 2, which is a very well-known verse in the Christian community. As in therefore I beseech you, therefore, uh, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And this is a verse that I want to zoom in. It says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. And this is verse 8, 
through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than you all think, but to think soberly according to God, and thou to every man the measure of faith. Now I want to zoom into this verse now. I've always had this thing of do not be conformed to the to the patterns of this world, and many, many Christian circles has used this verse over the years. Um, you know, we, we can't dress like the world, you know. Boston, you, you need to, you need to, yeah, your, your khaki suit, if you come where I come from, I had to wear khaki, you know, I go to church in khaki and I had to take off my shoes before I enter into the building, you know, I don't know if you, 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 you've been there, you know, and I, I couldn't wear black because that was devil colors and the red and all of this, anyway, just to kind of, just, just, just get into, so there was this thing about, do not be conformed to this world. And we, 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 we talked a certain way. We were just people, more people. And it, it was something that was so unaccepted because we are not supposed to be conformed to this world. But I want to show you something in this verse that how this verse does not mean that. Okay, and I'm not saying that we should be like the world. Mm. Amen. But sometimes in our very Christian way and our very religious ways, you know, where God has sent us and God wants to impact our sphere. Uh, guess what? What happens is that we we, we are so holy that thou and you know this is all our space and I'm not going to sit with these types of people because you know what? Listen, Jesus was called a friend of sinners. Mm. He was accused of being a glutton and he was accused of being a drunk. If you come into our community, you can hear, you can listen to this guy. You will you will question him and born again with the type of guys that often sit and speak. Because I understand that God has placed me, has given me, and it was to also given me the ministry of reconciliation. But we are not to be in this world, but we are not, what does it really mean? And so it is of utmost importance that we, we, we look at the verse in context. So when we look at, uh, when the Bible says, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, I want to show you something. When we read, and I mean, Shane ministered the last time when he was there with us, and I, and I know you guys understand this. When, when we look, look at the book of Romans, we need to understand, when we understand that when the Romans is written, and it was entire letter written. It wasn't Romans 1, Paul wrote first, and then he wrote Romans 2, and then he wrote Romans 3. He wrote an entire letter, and that letter was then divided into Romans 1 through theologians, Biblical scholars, Romans 2, Romans 3, Romans 4, Romans 5. But in actual fact, you see, sometimes to understand the book of Romans, we, we, we need to be careful sometimes that we, we read Romans 1. Romans 2, because Romans, Romans 2 is a continuation actually of Romans 1. Romans 3 is a continuation of what happens in the Romans 2. And so Romans, and so it is a letter and it has a composable, and if we don't understand it, we can misinterpret what, what the scriptures is teaching. So what is, when we look at the book of Romans, what is the book of Romans massively focusing on? The book of Romans focuses on, on, on many things. We look at Romans 11, that begins to speak about that, so to at its present time, is a remnant chosen by grace, and it's by grace, and it's no longer by work. We look at Romans 10, it speaks about how it's a righteousness that is by, by faith apart from the law. Romans 9 also speaks about how Jacob was chosen. They speak about us. You know, it's speaking about that it's not a, the one that should, it's, it's the, the unfairness of this, the receiving the salvation. Romans 8, we understand there is no, therefore now no condemnation for those in this Christ, and it goes into this whole story. Romans 7 goes into the whole thing and how we are now divorced for the law, you know, and now remarried and we are remarried to Christ. Romans 6 
begins to explain also uh, how that sin shall no longer have dominion over us because we are no longer under the law but under grace. What shall we now continue to sin? Romans 5 again also is about old Adam and how through, through Adam's wrongdoings, death and sin and death, and, but also through Jesus and right doing. Guess what? Grace came and the gift of righteousness now. It's the whole entire book of Romans and it's everything to do about our righteousness that we receive in faith. Everything to do about this new nature that we receive which is a righteous nature. Everything to do that is no condemnation. Listen, so the context that Paul is writing Romans 12, it cannot be about this world. So let me show you something. Romans 12 verse 1 says this. Let me read it in verse 2. Now, and do not be conformed to this world. Now that word world there, there's two meanings of the word world under the New Testament. Which is number one is the word cosmos. The world as we know it. Wonderful. Amen. <laughs> the world. And they did rather in. Amen. But there's another meaning for the word world, which is the word aeon. Say aeon. Aeon. So what is the aeon? Uh, aeon simply means, it means a period of time, a certain period of time. So what, what Paul is writing is, is, do not be conformed to the patterns of this period of time, of this age, of what is happening in this age. What was the age that he was speaking to? What was the age that he was referring to? He was speaking about the age of the law. He was referring to, he says, do not be conformed to how they do things. They think it is based on their works. They think they can, they can purchase their own righteousness. They think that guess what? And, and, and it is based on all of their doing. They don't understand that it's a righteousness by faith. They don't understand that Jesus came to remove the sinful. And we, we don't have a sin, we have now righteous. They don't understand all of these things. Guess what? Do not be conformed. You now, as the church of God, do not be conformed to the patterns of this age. They are legalistic. They are, they are falling to the traditions of man. Don't be conformed to their patterns. That's nothing to do with the world as we know it. Amen. amen. Can, can, let me show you. Can, can I hit the door? Can I get an amen? amen. Let me show you in, in, in Romans 12. Let's, let's read it from the message Bible. It's going to become much clearer. A lot of the things that Peter mentioned is really going to begin to sink in there. Amen. Can we just uh, Romans 12 and the message Bible? I know this is not translation, it's just a, 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 a paraphrase of what the scripture is saying. Um, but still, amen? It's paraphrasing beautifully. <laughs> Let me show you. This is really what this the chapter is about. And it will prove to what I'm saying to you. He says, so here's what I want you to do in this one. God helping you, taking your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, your eating, you're going to work and walking around life and placing before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Listen to this. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. What was the culture? It was the culture of the Lord. Yeah, it was the culture of them trying to earn God's favor. Trying to make themselves right before God. Don't, don't be accustomed to this culture. Listen to this. 
so well adjusted to the skulls that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You will be changed from the inside out. That's, the, that's, that's what the gospel is about. It's about God changing us from the inside out. Don't be like the Jews. Don't be like the religious that strive to change them, but change them from the outside in. Yeah. You see, that's what the religion is. It is all about outward modification. It is about looking the part, it's about speaking the part, it is about goeie morgen, hoe gaan dit met die van morgen, nie prijs die naam van die heren, ek vraag, hoe gaan dit met die, ek vraag nie, hoe moet die heren prijs die? Hoe gaan dit met die en die heren goed, ek weet die heren goed, hoe gaan dit met jou? Dit is religious jargon, dit is religious ways, and it stinks. I've been there, I've been there for years, and I became tired of that life. I became tired of this, you know, keeping this good food, good in two shoe, and everything is just always good, and everything is just always right in our eyes, which is not the truth. Yeah. I want to ask us to find ourselves in spaces where we can be vulnerable, where we can be open, where we can share our hearts, and we can be, this is who we are, this is where we are finding, and I'm not saying that we should share it everywhere, but guess what, we can never ever keep ourselves and be it, because a lot of it is very religious. Got a certain job and certain things. I be I be there. So split to hear from your new scar of a morrow. You know the quality. Say, oh, I became so tired of this. God wants wants you. He's perfectly okay with the you. Tell you he loves you in your weakness, in your mess, in your failures, in your shortcomings. God loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. And it doesn't mean that he will leave you the way you are. Yeah. But how he changes us is not a play about placing demands on us and forcing us. You need to change. You need to know. No, it is in the light of understanding his love and understanding his grace. And we get, get so captivated of who he is and how much we, he loves us when we return to him and loving him back. And often our obedience and loving right is often but a response to him loving us. It's not a thing that we're trying to earn his love. Are we trying to earn his favor? No, he loves us, and so we love him back, and so we lay down our lives, because he laid down for us his life, he died for us, he's good to us, and so I respond, I said, I lay down my life in return, because you laid down your life first to me. Amen. I don't lay down my life so that you can start doing certain things. No, it is a love, a relationship, and a respond out of love. Mm. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Amen? Amen. Listen to what he says further. His, his attention is for you to get out of this mixture way of thinking. Yeah. And some of us can say, oh, Pastor, no, we understand. And listen, every now and then we find ourselves in a space where we are not in rest. Yeah. Yeah. We, are, we are trying to do, we are moving out of that space. And so therefore we have to hear the gospel. It has to continuously detox of the poison of trying to earn, trying to do, trying to move so that God can do. Listen to this. <laughs> He says that you'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging it down to its level of immaturity. That culture of law of legalism is immature. You don't get a mature believer that is living in mixture. You cannot be mature. They look mature, they speak a lot of things, but they speak a lot of nothing. Because the message is not Jesus. It's not fixed on him. It's 10 keys how to be successful and 21 keys how to receive this and 
I was, I was tired of all the keys. <laughs> the last key that I received in one service was a 21 key. And I was the 21st key to Chicago. <laughs> 21 keys are to be successful. What if I miss the one? <laughs> I did an 18 and I missed three. Listen, there's no keys to success. Jesus has made a success the Bible says, and Joseph was a successful man because the Lord was with him. Yeah. What makes us successful is not what we are. What makes us successful is who we are. Yeah. And if we understand that, guess what? We live in a place of complete rest. Yeah. Listen to this. I want to show you more. I want to show you that how this verse really speaks about coming into grace. It's not about the world. Do not be conformed to the patterns of the world. No, no, no. Speaking about the age. Listen to this. God brings the best out of you. Develops well-formed maturity in you. I'm speaking to you out of deep, out of deep gratitude for all that God has given me. Can you see? It is all what He does. All that He gives. All that He has given. It's one way love. And especially as I have responsibilities in relation to loving them. Listen to this. This is beautiful. Loving them as every one of you does in pure grace. It's important that you not misinterpret yourselves as people who are bringing the goodness to God. No! God brings it all to you. The only way to understand ourselves is by what God is and by what He does for us. Not by what we are and by what we do for Him. This is about, guess what, getting into pure grace. We were a pure grace church. We heard about all of these things. Listen, he's calling them, he says to them, I want you to live in pure grace. <coughs> Not into legalism. Get out of that culture. Don't be accustomed to that culture. Yeah. Amen? Amen. Sure. And so God begins to transform and God begins to impact us the more we begin to embrace this pure grace. The more we begin to embrace what God does in us and for us and through us. It's about coming to the realization. I often thought about this morning as Peter was preaching. And I just looked at Peter and I was thinking about Peter. I thought about this Peter that was a certain type of guy. We, we understand that Peter was the one. I wrote down a couple of things. Cut off ears. Peter was the one that denied Jesus. Peter was the one that didn't want to sit with certain Gentiles. One, two. Peter wants Jesus to call fire from heaven. Peter, Peter had a, had a very weird mentality of who God was. He didn't understand the heart of He says, he says do, do you really think that I've come to destroy man? No. I've come to seek and save them. Yeah. I've come to the lost sheep. I've come so that to reveal the love of God here. And so continuously God had caused him to be in, in, in count his goodness, yeah. encounter his heart, encounter his goodness. When Peter denied, Jesus stands, he says upon this. And we understand it's the revelation of Jesus, but he calls Peter. He begins to restore Peter yeah. and minister wholeness to Peter in the midst of Peter's mess. In the midst of Peter denying Jesus, God continues to show him one way love. Jesus begins to continue to show him his goodness. 
And as many times, right through his journey, that continues, he receives the revelation of Jesus. Listen, this is why we sit in church. Every time we sit, we receive the gospel, we see him in a new way. We see what he has done for us in a new way. We see what he has done in us in a new way. You see what he wants to do through us in a new way. Continuum is impaling itself to us. And the more we see him for when you listen, through transformation, let me say this. Jesus comes on the scene and he calls Peter. He says, Peter, come. Mm. And the Bible says that Peter says upon the order that I'm stepping up. Yeah. Peter begins to step up. And Peter turns into a water. And there's a beautiful truth in this. This is what Christianity is about. Yeah. You see, Peter became a water walker, not out of self-effort. No amount of self-effort could allow Peter to walk on water. You see, the secret for Peter to walk on water, it was beholding the water walker. Mm. Yeah. You see, we become what we behold. And the more we behold him, the more he gets revealed to us, we get transformed by the Spirit. We get transformed continuously into that same image. We are in this image in the Spirit. But guess what? Our thinking, our minds begins to be aligned to who we already are. The more we sit in the Word, the more we receive, Peter, look to me. Yeah. Fix your gaze on me. Mm. As you fix on me, you will become. Mm. You will you see who you are. Peter, look at me. Peter, Peter Jesus walks on water. I'm walking on water. Because he's the, he's the firstborn, he's the firstborn of many brethren. He's the firstborn son of wanting to show us who we're supposed to be. He's showing it. Jesus revealed unto mankind. He's the first son that understood completely who he really is. Listen, we, we have received everything that Jesus has we have received. The same Holy Spirit, everything, God's nature, everything is inside of us. But guess what? The only difference is there's one that understood who he was, and the others, we still coming into realization of who we are. And that's our quest in life. It is about now getting and renewing our minds. Guess what? To what God says about us. Amen. Amen. Let me show you. I'm going to start my life. Ten minutes. Okay, I'm going to skip. Luke 5, I'm going to skip. <laughs> 18, 19. I'm going to go into 2 Corinthians 3. Um, Let me show you something. 2 Corinthians 3. Now, all of us have heard this verse a million times. I mean, I love it. You know that he, he calls it, he speaks of the things. It's one of the most powerful things that I began to read when I understood the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and how, you know, he calls the Lord a ministry of death and he calls the Lord a ministry of condemnation and he goes into this whole thing. And I want to just zoom into a couple of things this morning I want to bring it again. And so I'll switch over to 2 Corinthians 4 as well because, again, it's a continuation of what is happening in 2 Corinthians 3. Amen. But I want to show you just briefly and I'm going to fast forward. And then we're going to just bring everything together this morning. Second Corinthians 3 begin to speak about in verse 1. This is from verse 1 a little bit, and then I'm going to just pass over right to the end. It says, Do we begin again to commend ourselves, or do or, or need we, as some other epistles of condemnation to you, or letters of, 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 of commendation? 
from you. You are an epistle written in our hearts, known and read of all men. For as much as you are manifestly declared to be the, the epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in the flesh tables of the heart. And such trust that we have through Christ to God, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiencies of God, who has made us able ministers of what? Of this New Testament. Not of the letter, but of the Spirit, for the letter killing by the Spirit gives life, but in the ministration of death written and engraved in stones. This is speaking about the law. He calls the law the ministry of death. And uh, was glorious, the children of Israel could not, sorry, 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 it's skipped. I was at seven. The seven, yeah. Children of Israel must testify to behold the face of Moses for the glory of his coming, his glory was to be done away. So the glory was to be done away. Is that glory still need to be done away? No. The glory has been done away. Amen. The glory of the latter house will be greater than the glory of the former house. We still quote this verse as if it is something that is still need to come. Oh, the glory of the latter house will be greater than the glory of the former. No. The glory of the latter house was where God's glory, God's presence dwelt. But guess what? He says the glory of the latter, which is where? Which is us. There's a glory in us. Amen. What is the glory? Christ in us. Yeah. It's no longer, we can't quote anymore. Oh, the glory of the latter house will be greater than the glory of the former. That was past tense. We are in that glory. That glory is in us now. Amen. 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 You understand? Amen. Listen to this. How shall the administration of the Spirit be rather glorious? This is the new covenant. For the ministry of, of condemnation be glory, much more does the ministration of righteousness exceeding glory. For even that which glorious had no glory in respect by, the, by reason of the glory that excelled. For if that which is done away was glorious, much more that which remaineth is glorious. Now let me fast forward quickly to verse 14. Or listen to Romans 13. And not as Moses which put the veil over his face that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which, which is abolished. Listen, that came which, which, which was abolished, uh, which speaks about the ministration of that. That came to an end. In the year 87, that came to an end. When the temple was destroyed, that way of doing things came to an end. Now listen to this. It says, But the minds were blinded for until this day. The same veil is untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away in Christ. It says, still, if we preach the Old Covenant, if we still mix law and grace, if we still focus on what we do, a still a veil remains over the minds of believers. They can never ever see truly what they've received in Christ. Jesus. Ever we find that a church still today is struggling. We're not seeing the church operate the way the church should operate. Why? Because as long as Moses is preached, as long as the law is said, and do's and those, a veil remains the Christ in man, guess what, can never shine forth and the world can never be impacted because the stone that was rolled away was rolled back and the glory cannot be manifested. Sure. Listen to this. I want to show you something and I'm going to end with this. He says, but the minds were blinded. Remember that. Say the minds were blinded. And then it goes on further, nevertheless, in verse 16 it says, When you shall turn to the Lord, 
the veil is taken away. That was when you come under the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Under the New Testament, embracing what Jesus has done for us. This is now the way the Spirit of the Lord is. Now that the Lord is that Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty, there's freedom. And this is what I want to show you. But we all, with open face, beholding as a glass, the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Now, I've got to, I'm going to say this. I used to think that receiving the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and then continuing to hear the gospel, it, it causes me to go from glory to glory. We grow glory, we go from glory. We've heard times like this. Yeah. But no, he's not speaking about us. We said we are not transformed. The moment we receive what Jesus has done, the moment we embrace this New Testament, we move from glory to glory. In other words, what he's saying is, guess what? There was a glory under the old covenant. But the moment you receive what Jesus has done, you receive from glory, you go from glory to glory. You see, because if we think that we are still growing from glory to glory to glory, then we think there's more glory to come. Yeah. And it's, this is where we sometimes in our glory. It's not more glory. We grow from glory to glory. There's no more glory to come. Listen, it is about understanding that we have, under the old there was a glory, and we've been transformed. No, no we, we are changing. But we're not changing and transforming into greater glory. We are changing in our minds. Ah. Our mentalities are changing and understanding we are not the greater. Otherwise, we see the world, we see the church always waiting for a glory that is going to come. Uh. Always waiting for a revival that is going to come. I'm saying to you that it's going to flow from Cape to Cairo and do it. And everybody's looking up in the air. Everybody's waiting for when this glory is going to come and it's going to flood the earth. Church, it is not about we going from glory to glory. Peter ministered, Colossians 1 verse 27, he says, guess what? Christ in us, the hope of his glory, is in us, this glory, this glory, in his fullness is already what needs to happen now. If we want to, if we, listen, listen, I told you, if we want to see a move of God in this city, it will not come by some spirit that you're going to fall, it's going to come to believers that is awakened to who they truly are, awakened to their identity in Christ, awakened to what Jesus Why do 
waiting for the move of God. They're going to wait their entire lives. I believe the move of what God is doing in the season, God is awakening believers to what they already received. There's an awakening taking place. Yeah, yeah. Under revival, as if we are dead. We are not dead. We've been around the revival already. Uh, amen. Amen. Yeah. Listen to, I'm going to end with verse 4. And so therefore it says, therefore see, we have this ministry. Chapter 4, verse 1. As we have received mercy, we faint not. But have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, nor walking in the cross, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. And then it goes on further, and it's speaking about the Jews, and speaking about them that is not received as gospel. They are lost. He says, in whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe in God, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. And he says, For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, a sign in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Woo! Come on, this is a continuation of what is happening in chapter 3. And so again, when we look at, at, at verse <coughs> in verse 4, it says, In whom the God of this world had blinded the mind. Remember chapter, uh, in, verse, in verse 3, verse 14. Remember what it said? When Moses is read, yeah. what is it? They are blind. There's a veil over them. They cannot see. Yeah. So blindness is referring to the law. Yeah. Now listen to this. In whom the God of this world, again, the God, and I've heard many people, oh, the God of this world, wonderful. I don't like seeing him that way. Let me say this. Here it says, for the God of this world has blinded the minds of them that believe to Jews. The word world there, again, is not the word cosmos, it is the word they the word God, let me, let me just see if I wrote it down. Let me, let me say this. When it's speaking about God, who was the Jews as God during the, the law? It was the law. Mm. So when he says the God of this world has blinded the minds, <laughs> what who is the God of this world there? <coughs> he's speaking about the law. Mm. He's not speaking about some demon or devil somewhere. I'm not saying that the devil is not there, but that part of the verse is not speaking about the devil. Yeah. And we quote this verse, who the God of this world, and we give Satan such a lot of credit. But that day is not speaking about Satan. Mm. He's saying the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers. Those that doesn't want to believe the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Those that doesn't want to receive the work that Jesus has done for them. Then he says further, he said, believe not lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on him. He says, so the only way the veil is removed, this God that is made the God of their lives, guess what is removed? It is when the gospel goes in and the gospel begins to penetrate. Then they begin to see who Jesus really is. And in the face of Jesus, that they begin to see who they are. And suddenly they begin to walk in glory. They begin to walk in power. They begin to walk in dominion. Because they understand that as He is, so are we in this world. 
and to this pivotal church. I want you to understand that you have received all things. I want you to understand that the more you receive the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the more, you know, we hear messages like Peter the minister, the more we understand who we are, the more we understand what we already received, the greater we begin to work out, the greater we begin to exercise dominion authority in this earth. God is waiting on us. Do you want to impact? She's telling Boston, she will see Bonte, will see the city of Cape Town. I'm telling you, a lot of God will do in the city will come from rooms like this. Yeah, 100%. There's a lot of people are waiting for some spirit to fall. Or a move of God is because somebody is laid out there under the top. But I'm not discrediting that. But it's people being awakened to who they are. Some of them is, ooh, see the big stadium fall with many people. That's not the move of God. Amen. Yeah, That's not a move of God because people that comes, oh, nice, nice feelings, nice mood, but the people is not establishing their identity, not establishing who they are. And you can never, in an event like that, get people to understand. It is a journey, it is a road, it is a, it is a path that you get to. I saw, I came in and I saw discipleship. What is that? I don't know what it was. Look, the rooted. And wow, this is awesome because this is what it's about. There's too much moves of God and stadiums and we are moved by, oh my word, God is moving in the city of Cape Town. Look at how the city of Cape Town looks. God is not moving. It's some event and some chills that they are feeling and guess what? People go away and people do not even understand what they've they've heard and received and still go out and still live live defeated lives. Because it's not about these things. It's about, guess what? Getting sometimes in one-on-one spaces to impart the grace, impart it and make people understand who they are. And they do it to others, and so we impact the world on the outside. Amen. 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 I'm pretty much done. I still have John 70, but I'm done. Amen. I trust that you guys will bless and receive something. Amen. God is not. We are not waiting on God. Amen. Let's get us straight today. God's waiting on us. Amen. He says one of the biggest things, and beyond, you know, that what we've received in a sense of, you know, what has been. Pastor, he's given us the minister of reconciliation and reconcile the world and reconcile it. And we please, we get people saved and everybody nobody should be. It's wonderful. But you see, in the beginning of time, the first mandate that God gives unto Adam is not get people saved. What was the first mandate? He says, be fruitful, multiply, subdue, and then replenish them. We, we, we've got the responsibility. And yet, maybe in business, Maybe government, some of us, I don't get it. They called me in a couple of weeks ago. They approached me. If I don't want to run for ward counselor in the community, I said, that's none of my business. And I stepped back and I said, no. <laughs> I stay out of stuff like this. Some of us have been grace and called. We understand what we are grace and called to do. That's not, that's not part. Maybe later God will begin to do that. But I, I, what I want to say is that God calls us to influence and impact where we were planted. Maybe in business, maybe, you know, in sport, maybe in. Whatever the case may be, God will use you. God has placed you there for a reason and for a purpose. Don't wait on God. God is waiting on you to infiltrate and impact where He has placed you. We'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to connect with us, or if you'd like us to pray with you, please contact us at info at gracelife.co. If you'd like to order more resources or discover more about us, you can visit our website at www.gracelife.co or find us on Twitter, Facebook and YouTube.